Cricketer podcast coming right from the heart of the end of the lockdown, capital of the world. We're talking about Cameron Green being the 21-year-old hope that this country needs, but no one wants necessarily. Everyone is scoring runs. No one is taking wickets. Unless you're Marnus bowling seam up in taped-up Queensland pants for his grade side. Tim Payne scores 100, Pezzy lad, in more intimidating conditions than Ed- Edge Baston. Travis Head does what everyone else has already done. Moses goes big. But what is it about test players playing grade cricket that makes you realise that your dreams are dead? The WBBL is back. Joffre is on fire at the IPL. And Sydney replaces Brisbane as the anti-quarantine destination of choice. Sir Kirtley Ambrose is on the show. And he tells us how easy bowling is. Taking 115 (laughs) wickets in English league cricket. Driving a Nissan patrol on the Wacker. Being side-mouthed by Tugger. (laughs) And how nobody drives Sir Kirtley. Hashtag AskTDC involves getting outfitted by your girlfriend's Canadian dad. Playing with famous athletes of other sports and Zoom calls with shadow batting uh, in pyjamas. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. We can get you customised bucket hats amongst all sorts of other things. Use the code CHAMP for free shipping at checkout at budgiesmuggler.com. You can also check out exclusive content content even every single week. Pezzy that at patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by Sam Perry. Pez, have you ever spoken to a knight of the realm before? Not to my knowledge. Not hard to, to my say. Knowledge. It's hard to say. It, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to commit to anything, but that's just a lifetime of uh, kind of conditioning. You've not come uh, across? I think the answer is no. Sorry, Ian Botham? Not directly. God, I'd love to, but one step at a time. Very happy to have Sir Kurt Leon. Feels like a bit of a milestone, mm. mainly because he's got no connection to grade cricket whatsoever. No. He's just a gentleman giving back to the game. Sure, he would have yeah. had zero clue who we were. We've had the chat. Yeah, we've had the chat. Excited for people to hear it. Uh, he doesn't even know that um, the grade cricket is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. He doesn't even know that. Well, he does now. He does well, now. I mean, he, he kind of feigned more familiarity than Ramesh Raja last week. <laughs> he was very, he was yes. very generous. With respect to Ramesh, if you are listening. As ever, you can – I'm sure he is. <laughs> but he could be a YouTube guy, Ramesh Raja. And you also, as ever, you can find this episode right now on YouTube. And the Zoom call – well, the, the call that we do with Sir Kirtley is on Zoom. So There's you can facials. Find, you can find, I want you to see where the, back, the background of where Sir Kirtley is in, uh, in his homestead. And just note at one point he was talking about staring and I sort of tried to get him to stare into the camera, but he mm. said he only does it when he's competing. Yeah. I wanted to say, well, we're always competing, aren't we? But I thought <laughs> yeah. it was just too soon. I was posturing a bit. But yeah, exactly. I just wanted to stare into the camera. Anyway. Go for it. Anyway, it's amazing that Sir Kirtley Ambrose is on this show. Uh, one of the more ridiculous things that's ever happened in my life, and I'm sure yours as well, Pezzy Lad. Now, the first question comes in from Elliot Kennedy, mm. uh, who wrote in. He says, hey, guys, Saturday night at the Cricket Club, we were talking about all types of ducks that we've made, golden, royal, diamond, etc. until someone said he'd been, bold f- he'd been bold first ball of the entire season and I was wondering what type of duck that would be called. It's a fair question. Good question, Elliot. It's a really good in. question. It is amazing there is some kind of phraseology in cricket that hasn't been defined yet. Finally. I mean, I'd, we'll have to ask some of the experts, your Andy Zaltzmans, et cetera, mm-hmm. whether there is a, a, a name for that. I, mm-hmm. I suspect there isn't. But I did. I started searching synonyms for the word first. Sure. Came up with some ideas. Yeah. Fundamental. Start at the beginning. A fundamental duck. An el- <laughs> <laughs> I got a fundamental. You got a fundamental, yeah. Fuck. You only get one. Yeah. Uh, an elemental, underlying. An underlying. Un- Ooh, just underlying duck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. Mm-hmm. Deep-seated duck. Mm-hmm. Principle. <laughs> but really I had – yeah, principle is another one. 
Uh, I have Jim Maxwell's voice in my head. Always. Because of a, a little anecdote from a couple of weeks ago. He he runs the Primary Club, wonderful charity. We, we helped out. And we were watching him talk to Greg Chappell, just continually quizzing him about the yeah. number of ducks that Chapel got. It was right. quite funny to do so because Maxwell yeah. just doesn't care. Yeah. And he just kept saying, you know, how often Chapel had recorded a primary duck. <laughs> just wonder whether that might help. Primary uh, duck, yeah. yeah. yeah well, so there's a few ideas. I like the the idea of like the royal, the diamond. There's some, there is like some... Um, regality to yes, it. Yes, some yeah. regality. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's not the that's not the mode I went down with. But um, I was thinking now an albatross famously is not a duck, yes. Pez, but it is a bird. And it's got the biggest wingspan. Mm. And what can fuck your entire season or set the tone for the the biggest spanning part of the ah. season is the first part. So it's an, you get an albatross. Yeah. Good in golf, less so in cricket. Do you know that despite being considered a flightless bird, chickens have been known to fly up to 50 metres? I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Chicken duck. Doesn't really work. <laughs> Doesn't really two, work. Two, two animals. Let us know. Let anyway, us know what your thoughts great are. Great way to start the show. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um Pez, the Sheffield Shield is back and it's better than ever. Yeah. It's better than ever. Well, it's, it's actually on television, which is nice. KO, yeah. if they've got behind it. And everyone's scoring runs. All the greats are scoring runs. And some of, some of, some of the blokes who aren't even greats are scoring the runs. Exactly. Your Dorans, your Sam Whitemans, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who may Whether well be great. Maybe. May well. Well, and this is the thing he goes, you know, bats are being fucking raised everywhere across yeah. the Sheffield right Shield about on these magnificently dead wickets. Yeah. Okay. They're very shy. And say what you want about the wickets. And, and we will. will. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole thing is just yeah. It's just scripted. <laughs> you can say what you want about soil. You know, you know, wickets are a great like talking you know, point. I'm for always banging on about the soil and that everyone having clues about cricket wickets without having any idea. Good for themselves. roses. But you talk about soil, you talk about bulleye soil in Sydney, you know, mm. what's you, you say oh, it's not really about what's on top, it's about what's underneath, that kind mm. of stuff. But the point is with these shield results, these are big numbers next to big names. And that's all that counts. Mm. I mean, you've moved to Victoria at precisely the wrong time. We're precisely just coming out of lockdown time. now, but it's yep. been a very stressful time mm -hmm. during this lockdown here in Victoria. Perhaps the rest of the country has struggled to empathise with that. Perhaps certain people in leadership positions could possibly have made a bit more of a song and dance about the news yesterday, but that's okay. Um, I can highly recommend for those feeling the stress that uh, just pouring through these scorecards of Shield cricket mm. – just provides that brief sense of tranquility that you need. Head, 100. Payne, 100. Mm. Cameron Green, 197. Mm. Moses, 160. Yes, you went, please. Did he go, Daddy? Yes. Now yeah. I'm feeling tranquil just seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Sure, balls aren't getting up above knee height. Doesn't matter. Sure, they're defending straight down the wicket, full face of the bat, third grade stuff, mm. stump to stump, ring mm. field. I don't care. Mm. Just the numbers do the job. I feel tranquil seeing them. And isn't it nice to see Chad Says, who's been uh, much blind in his success in shield cricket, he bowled... Now, I don't have his exact figures here, but there was something like he had he had three for 27 off 30, something like that. Just fucking stump to stump, get the keeper up to the stumps, set those ring fields and watch cricket die in front of your eyes. Hmm. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. One that's of the greats of South Australian cricket. Now, Cameron Green, 197 runs. That's heaps of runs, man, for a guy who's 21 years old in shield cricket. That's good, but he ain't going to play. He ain't going to play. Um. Not yet. Well, he's tracking well, isn't he? Well, Cameron he might Green. get a game when they play three different teams at the same time. Good point. Um, you hope so. Bring back the Australian side, I say. Well, listen, much has been made about this 197, but has there it? are some angles missed as far as I'm concerned. Made 197 first-class runs against the reigning premiers, winners, the, the reigning champions of the Sheffield Shield, New yeah. South Wales. It's a good attack. Mm. 
But uh, sure, 197 is good. That's all well and good. But did you see his reaction when he got out? This is this is <laughs> yeah. what now we're talking. This is what is go. encouraging about yeah, Cameron Green, not the 197 necessarily, yeah, or averaging up. 53 first class level. It doesn't involve you. No. He gets LBW to, to, to Sean Abbott. Hmm. He's not happy at the time. He walks Salmon. off. He's he walks off very strange um, kind of style of walking off. He's holding his bat at the blade. He's sort of almost banging it against his head, like oh, you stupid, you know, <laughs> um, almost. <laughs> And he says in an interview afterwards that it took him a few hours to calm down from the dismissal. Oh, sure, broad areas. Such was his hunger for that double time yeah, he's never yeah, yeah. hit one before. Dead, yeah. He's batted for 432 balls. Yeah. The inside edges went onto his pads, so mm. he says, mm. you know, but I like this. Mm. And he's like a throbbing bull, you know, in the mm. change rooms for, for hours. Now, it's pulsing. Doesn't that just it make you salivate when you think about the future 21 year old 197 wasn't enough yeah, he wanted he wanted more and Salad. he's blonde six foot yeah, one yeah. not quite tall runs but tall yeah tall runs he's yeah. just the thing is prodigal mm. the thing i'm objectifying <laughs> him it's good we actually put an interview request in him from this week um and very politely West australian cricket said he just needs a bit of a, a break in between these beginnings <laughs> Must be it's nice. Okay. They said there'll be another time. Must be nice. Yes, but, no, but the, the rule of value, so 197 is basically all of a sudden, it's fucking, that's better than Brabham's 451. Yeah, exactly. That he scored in the day. But the reaction. The reaction. He's is, getting everything right. Yeah. He's getting everything right about the positioning of himself. Yeah. Oh, I've missed out here on a big one. Yeah. Yeah. But just be, you know, be angry for he's got great PR around him. I don't know if it's Roxy Jasenko or whatever. But Almost, I was, I was angry. Yeah. How how happy will JL be to hear that? This guy's yeah, young. Australian. He's West Australian yeah. and one ninety seven. He's not happy with it. Probably in the, he wanted to go the, on with it. Probably in the daughter dating range as well. Yeah, I'm yeah guessing. exactly. So it's just ticking That's a lot of boxes. A lot All of a sudden, yeah. Matthew Wade. Can Matt Wade tick those boxes? I'm not sure. Well, he's married and got a kid. So. It feels like not scoring a hundred as a middle order player in Shield cricket is a failure now. Yeah, I mean Moses just kept up with 167. Well, well Travis Head, poor bloke, had to go out and. Well, like, well, he, he needs runs. Yeah, go, okay, 170. Get 100 to fuck off. Well, that'll uh, do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tim Payne's having nets in between hundreds, mate. You know, like, like this is what we need. You know, when I look at like Cameron Green 197, and made great reaction. You're right, but like, I mean, how, like, when is cricket good? Like when, when are you like, that's, I had a great day out. I've, I'm satisfied with yeah. how I performed. The amount of guys, like, you know, you get out for 90 of that disappointment, but like guys are fucking liver for throwing it away in the context of the game and stuff. You'd be fucking cheering if you're an average cricketer mm. with a 90. 197, mm. Jesus Christ, you're dining on that for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's just Let like, it's a, a, it's a protocol. It's a convention you have to observe. It's never enough. Blow ups are right. Bradman, not you know, still not enough. He didn't get he didn't average hundred. One of my great Matthew Hayden memories, you know, not the hundreds, you know, yeah. away from home, you know, the big fucking chest at gully, mm. staring at blokes. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was when he smashed the SCG doors and broke the glass against you know in a dead rubber test match mm. at the SCG because he was angry because he wanted it. Well, and that's the thing, like it's the only way you show you care. To, basically, yeah, I mean, aggression. some some might say. No, this is merely a human who cannot regulate his emotions. Others might say, no, he just cares. Mm. And was, I know which side I fall on. What was Simon's, Simon Kadich's greatest achievement? Exactly. Keeping Mark in those sheds. Exactly. Choking, for, for a team like that. <laughs> That's when we started really respecting Cato. That's when he was like, hang on a second. Yeah. That's about cadency material. Exactly. Now, <laughs> the other thing I want to say about Cameron Green. What do you want to say about Cameron Green? We've just talked. Com- Not to be confused with Chris co- Green. We've covered one. Up- That's right, poor bloke. Yeah. One, now, we've only covered one half of his skill set. Cameron Green averages 21 with the ball, first-class cricket. Now, he's been injured. Again, perfect. Perfect. Well, because perfect. you become better the when allure. you don't play. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Daniel Sturridge in football, he was out for a while, became Marco Van Basten while he was injured. Yeah. Uh, Pat Cummins is the only one who's actually kept up with that. Like kept he, up. He had a contract for five years and he didn't play. Oh, he must have been tempted to never play again just for the sheer legacy yeah. of feeling? what he might have been. Ah, i got uni. 
How quick would Pat, Pat, if Pat Cummins mm. never came back? How quick do you reckon we'd be talking about his bowling now? But man, he could have got to one seventies. <laughs> he could have been anything. <laughs> Absolute racehorse. But Green's you know bow with the ball is coming up. He says, you know, we're mm. tracking. Along. He says we are tracking along. Okay, all right. Um, they got a team behind him. Okay, or in his head. But, yeah, he says potentially yep. next game or two, depending on how I feel, I'll bowl a couple of times uh, and see if I can bowl in the game. Won't be 40 to 50 overs, maybe 5 or 10 to help the captain out. Um, I won't be bowling at half pace if I'm bowling. Now, here's – I want to introduce a hypothetical to you. He Please. goes, all eyes on Cameron Green. Here we go. He's the new Flintoff. That's not even easy. Like, he just is. He is. He's the yeah. new Flintoff. Long. And we know how this kind of player makes us feel psychologically as a nation. The mm. entire safety of our psyche rests yes. on My rests very on, being rests is on him. It's on insatiable appetite for six foot one chesty blonde runs. He's and coming off 17 daddy hundreds in a row, averages 50-odd first-class mm. level, and he's he may angry. be a bowler, right? Yeah. Wooey, you know, Andrew Wu yeah. in, the, in Fairfax says, or in Nine Papers, sorry, says he can clock 140s. So he's about to bowl. All eyes are on him. I'm going to give you a hypothetical, Please. all right, because we want to see what this kid can do. Mm-hmm. There's two scenarios. First one, mm-hmm. he bowls five. He bowls six, seven overs. He takes three for 21. Right. Nice. And he averages 128 clicks. Okay. Yeah. In the second scenario, yeah. he bowls six to seven overs. <laughs> he yeah. goes none for 45, yeah. none for 50. Yeah. And he averages 141 clicks. Now. Yeah. You want him to play at six for Australia. Mm. Which, what are you advising Cam Green to do? He'd say, if you take 10Ks off, you'll take three wickets and help your team out. Yeah. Fuck that. Not, not for 45 off six ain't that bad. He skids him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got wheels. I'm thinking leg gullies all of a sudden. See, and this is he the can thing. change the game. I love that talk about him coming back bowling and like mm. he just needed to reinforce to people, oh, I will be bowling fast. Yeah. That's all we need to do. Perfect. That's Australia. Isn't it interesting because Hilton Cartwright was a guy who played cricket for Australia twice and like he was picked mm. as an all-rounder, batted six. What about that beautiful cover drive, first ball against mm. Pakistan Never all those years it. ago? Never and then he was picked in the side like as an all-rounder, barely bowls in shield cricket. Steve mm. Smith, the captain at the time, if you can harp your mind back to those mm. halcyon days, Sam, that Sam, um, Sam, Sam Perry and uh, Steve Smith had never seen him bowl. Never seen him bowl. Then he was like, oh, I'm going to give you going to give you going a test match now. Um, now this guy's the opposite of that because he's got he's got the runs he's got the same Hilton Cartwright runs maybe a little bit more but he's also got potential with the ball to bowl wheels. He's six foot one, blonde hair, and can clock one forties. Mm. He's averaging fifty three. I mean, I'm I'm and I'm, Ponting likes him. I'm swelling inside, as mm. in emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sort of comes Wrong from within, verb. doesn't it? it sort of verb. comes from within, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, all eyes on Cam Green with the ball. Yeah, if he can just clock one forty. I don't care what Matt Wade or even Travis, great friend of the show, yeah. is doing. Bring him in. Now, where does Pekofsky, what does this mean for Pekofsky? Because now we've got nah, two Wonderkins. Yeah. All right, just change everyone. I don't know. I just I need novelty. I need novelty. Pez, it's what been about, a hard few weeks. There's a whole bunch of uh, rep players playing grey cricket at the moment, as, <laughs> as is their want. <laughs> now, let me go. Let me, let me go. Well, we'll start with Ryan Gibson, who's moved yeah. from, uh, from Sydney to Adelaide. Yep. Uh, he got a double hundred on the weekend. Team mm-hmm. lost. Also, another, another guy. Double ton. In off 130 balls. Yeah, so he yeah. got on with it. Yeah. He got on with it. And there's also a five wicket haul in that game as well, also in a losing side. So yeah. a couple of blokes having a great night out that night. Mm. Yeah, I guess a few things about that. I mean, maybe Gibson needed to just put the foot down a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And, he started uh, slowly. But so. by the same time, we came from Sydney to Adelaide, so Sydney test cricketers will be like, well, you know, it's a good comp over here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good comp. Never did that here. Mm. He did that actually a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pez, what about Steve, Steve O'Keefe? He's breaking records over there. He's, he's Steve O'Keefe's breaking records left, right and centre. Um, for Manly. He, he, he would probably be the second best spinner in the country. Uh, well, he was last year. 
Yeah. He was, he was the number one. He still would be. Oh, yeah. no, I mean, after Nathan Lyon. I don't yeah. think – I think that's eminently arguable. Well, let's see what Green can do. <laughs> sorry, pardon mm. me. Uh, and he's just been uh, destroying uh, teams. He, he took six for two weeks ago, then five for uh, mm. – and all sorts of records with his average and stuff. And he, he did say in a piece earlier this week mm. uh, to Cricket New South Wales – Oh, who want to talk to him again? Apparently, um, mm. <laughs> well, I do. I, he says I do know my average to the fourth decimal point. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about Marnus bowling seam up? Took three, took three wickets for um, Redlands in Queensland. Bowling his um, he had taped up. He's wearing his Queensland pants, taped with the tape over the. I mean, that's a whole new fucking. What an enigma. He's kind of it's like yeah, Marnus is sort of embodying every cricketer, like not just grade cricketers, but child cricketers. He plays in the garage and all that kind of gear. I actually think. Uh, like bowling seam up and doing well is starting to actually like it's sort of anti Marnus because Marnus is very respectful yeah. of everything. Yeah. But it, it just Loves goes to show he's just like cricket for him is it, it doesn't matter if it's garage or averaging sixty five at test level. He mm. just literally loves the game, mm. whatever the format. I just want to enjoy it and have fun. Do you think he's getting to the point where he's having too much fun and he's like, I now need to find new highs. He's getting into some addiction <laughs> territory and he's like, I'm gonna try some seam up because I bowled yeah. this in the garage with my mates. Yeah. I'm gonna play first grade game now, seam up, take three for. Just nicking blokes off first ball. Yeah. But he's also wearing – he loves, loves his Queensland kid yeah, as well, doesn't a, he? Yeah. I mean, now, we've seen this before. We've seen him, like, batting in the taped-up Queensland league Queensland through league. his grain side. Now, I noticed that, um, that Redlands – His grade club. Yeah, yeah, his grade club. Yeah, their their caps are and their um, colours are green. Okay. What's green, Pez? The fucking baggy green. Why isn't mm. he batting his Aussie lid? If you're going to go the whole way, do it properly. Do you reckon we're ever going to see a taped-over baggy green? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'd kill for that. I'd kill for that. Okay, maybe. <laughs> Just someone batting in the <laughs> uh, I need to clarify, last week I spoke about a WA club. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't remember their name. I knew it started with G, so I just took a stab and called them Gollum. Um, yeah. And that was incorrect. I've been – it's been um, clarified to me that the, the club's name's Gosnells. So I, po- I apologise, Gosnells. Pez, you had a message during the week. Let me tell you what's happening in your phone. Okay. You got a message during the week from a guy who played cricket. He played first grade for a number of years and he saw a very unusual thing on the weekend. Please talk about this. Okay, just to, uh, look, I just read the text and I considered whether I should name the clubs involved and I thought no at first and now I think yes. So um, here's the text. <laughs> Wests have got pumped. They're sitting there in the sheds for about half an hour and then the fast bowler from Gordon walks in with a six-pack and a towel on saying, you boys up for a tub? <laughs> and... And the player who relayed this story confirmed he'd never seen this in 10 years of first grade cricket. Right, 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 right. Now, you'd think that we're saying this to shame, this Gordon player. I'm not at all. I'm right on board with this. I mean, we are are trending toward the sort of safety that we have yearned for for at least 10 to 20 years. And this kind of small actions, everybody makes a small contribution towards the – Exactly. Christ alive, I've nearly knocked (laughs) over water there. You know – Everyone can make a difference, and this young Gordon player, or old, whatever, mm. he's deciding to do his bit. Mm. I think it's a lovely gesture. He wasn't um, even playing. I mean, yeah, you ask yourself, why specifically does he want to shower with the opposition <laughs> with a six-pack in his hands? Like, why – is and I've never why, seen that. And why – neither have I. And why is he on his own? I mean, I'd understand if it was yeah. more sort of three or four of them coming in and it was an ironic ritual. Yeah. But he's just coming in. Unironically, now, and I, I really like the idea of bringing a six pack into the opposition dressing room. Me too. Room. Love that. That's, that's, that's all for it. Now, let's just separate a few things. <laughs> let's let's get some device, <laughs> yeah, let's let's dividers right. up yeah. about what is and isn't yeah. okay. Yeah. Now, walking. I think it's okay. Well, 
I might pop down to my neighbours to have a drink, you know, when mm. this is all over. Mm. I'm not going to ask, do you mind if we pop into well, the Andrew showers? Well, Andrew hasn't given the rules yet about whether well, let's just see what. <laughs> let's just see what is yeah, it isn't okay. <laughs> as we go to air. Let's, yeah, let's see what the uh, infectious diseases expert have to say. Now, walking into an away dressing room, well, he was the away team as well. Yep. So he's gone into the home dressing room. Usually it's the other way around. Usually I, think, the, usually it, the home, I think that's right. Usually the home team will. I'll have to double check. It's, it's unusual behaviour. But I like the I like the people I'm showering like, generally. I like, I, like I mean because the showers have been dying for years in Australia. I mean, put it okay. As put yourself the in the shoes younger. of the, of the West players. Right. right. Say you say you're in there, and this this quick bowler comes in with a six pack and says, "You boys up for a tub?" Mm. While it might be kind of smirk inducing, some side mouth inducing stuff, it's actually probably a rather like earnest gesture that you should that should be embraced, shouldn't it? Yeah, right. Eh? As long as you're confident and you're, you're keen to do that kind of stuff, let's have let's have a tub. Yeah, that's how a lot of great cricketers communicate. Yeah, that's how they that's how they show affection. <laughs> I've really got this vivid imagery in my head now of this actually happening. It's fucking. It's out. It's weird. It's weird. It is weird. Um, <laughs> don't break the spell on it. He no. must be the 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 bloke in question confident. again. Yeah, he must be confident. Yeah, crazier areas, I reckon. Well. Again, I didn't get any clarification on that kind of stuff, but I, I welcome it. I welcome general opposition fraternisation. That, that's positive. Mm. It's positive, yeah. As long as he was actually playing in that game, wasn't just walking past the ground with the mm. six-pack. Mm. <laughs> Did you play today, mate? Yeah. I, mean, which, which, I know. What? <laughs> huh? I still remember, like, just on that topic, like a fourth-grade match or something at mm. Fairfield and um, – mm-hmm. We're all having afternoon tea, and some bloke off the street just came in and started <laughs> up. And our captain, our captain said, "Like here for a feed, are you, mate? Want <laughs> <laughs> a feed, do you?" It was kind of yeah, funny because yeah. I was like, "Well, you know, he's from the community. He's probably just coming in. Like, yeah, is it, it a bit possessive of the great players? Like, what is the protocol on? This is off script here, but like, what is the protocol? Well, on that's funny because you can eat the afternoon tea. I have the same thing about, and also the quantity of tea you can actually have. Yeah, because if it's not a very um, uh, you know, voluminous tea, yeah. and someone goes in like just loads up their plate, there's a bit like, mm. yeah, just eyeballs everywhere. Now in the UK, we had a guy who used to come to our ground. Everyone called him Tea Rat." Because he used to pop up to the grounds for the home yeah. games oh, I about see. five minutes before tea time. That it was like clockwork. I played there for three years, and he was only there the first year, so I think he, cause he was he was of age, right? Um, and uh, of age, he was of a certain age, and I think he might have um, he might have had too much sugar over those years. But yeah, T Rat just popped in, just like yeah, I'm here for the feed. Mm. Are you mate? <laughs> uh, Pez, the WBBL is back. Obviously, a lot of there's been a lot of rain around on the eastern seaboard yes. of this fine country, which, as described earlier, is girt by sea. Um. Just <laughs> <As> described. <earlier. laughs> that might have been a Patreon yeah. show. I can't remember. <laughs> no, but you just been in the penning of the lyrics of the national anthem. That's right. Yeah, it's described yeah. as girt by sea. It is girt by sea. Um, and uh, so there's been a lot of rain around. But uh, an interesting point of um, contention, I suppose, or discussion, anyway, is um, that some players uh, have decided to take a knee um, in before games in, in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. There's also another side of things, which is uh, players are doing barefoot. Uh, circle, which is in recognition of reconciliation with the Indigenous community here in Australia. And there's sort of this mix between like both parties wanting to do some, some wanting to do others, other people not wanting to do any of those things at all. So it's um, it's a strange scenario that we've got ourselves in, but I've got to say there's some positivity around it that at least it's happening. And I say that in the wake of like the um, Football Codes Grand Finals were here on the weekend in Australia. That's the AFL and the NRL, the Rugby League. And the lack of um, – what am I trying to say? How fucking white it was was yeah. really noticeable. I don't I – don't You mean really, the coverage? The coverage of yeah. it, yeah, real noticeable. And, like, cricket 
might have a way to go and we've been critical in the past of like what are they going to do certainly that thing with um in the uk where the australian cricket team didn't take a knee was really surprising and um a little bit embarrassing but justin langer has apologized for that since then i think they'll 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 rectify that hopefully in the summer but but just like cricket's got a chance to be a great leader here in this space especially coming into this into the summer there's going to be a lot of attention big series next two years india and then the ashes out here and it's nice that there's at least a conversation starting. This isn't like uh, racism as a whole, Pez, isn't going to be solved overnight, you know. No. And it's going to be small steps. There's going to be pain. And this is at least – Discomfort. It's going to be some discomfort. It's going to be discomfort. People. It's uncomfortable yeah. now. And yeah. like, uh, But at least it's starting. That's yeah. something. But it is also confusing in this when there's like two different things going on. Yeah. Well, I think the backdrop to it is really important when you consider that or what's happening in rugby union with the national team with, uh, you know, for those who aren't in Australia or follow rugby union, which is many people, yeah, more yeah, and more yeah. actually. Yeah, more and more. Yeah, uh, yeah a, a sort of quite heralded ex-captain suggested that the players who are wearing an Indigenous jersey in their next game against the All Blacks um, not take a knee because it might lose viewers. And yeah. that uh, he went on to explain it by saying that he doesn't think there's a big issue with Indigenous um, relations in Australia. So he played with Mark Ella, who was an Indigenous player, one of the great Indigenous players, all players of all time. And yeah. he said that he never had a problem. So, yeah. All good. Yeah. Uh, and so, against that backdrop, I think steps forward is good for Australia, you know. And the, the interesting with the WBBL is that, like, it doesn't have that context of the Wallabies because you're not talking about a national side. I think when you, when you, overlay the national um, yeah, sure. context to it, yeah, people yeah. feel like, well, they're representing everybody and that's across political divides or moral divides with it and that's when it has that extra layer of complexity. Mm -hmm. WBBL is clubs. But it was interesting we said a few weeks ago, Heather Knight made comment about it. It yeah. wasn't picked up by anybody. But yeah. we saw a few days ago at Hurstville Oval uh, a couple of teams took a knee and Mel Farrell, a friend of our show, uh, he, she took a photo of it, Sam Ferris did CA, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then... A couple of other teams played at North Sydney Oval. They didn't take a knee. And I actually called uh, comms at Cricket Australia. Or, sorry, I didn't call. I, I emailed them and they called up. And I said, listen, what's what's doing? Like, is this a CA? I said, what's doing? Yeah, um, yeah. It was a professional hey, chat. Hey, what's doing? Yeah, what's doing with yeah. this? Uh, it's Twitter strength. What's the CA guidance on this? Is mm. is it happening? Is it not happening? And they said, look, this is actually there's, there's been a lot of team meetings about this. Right. It is a, a particularly uh, hot issue. Some teams want to do it. Some players want to do it. Some players don't want to do it. Some players are saying, well, the only person I kneel before is God. That's got to be respected. And I said, are we going to have a scenario where some players are going to be taking a knee and some aren't going to be taking a knee? You know, this person said almost definitely probably will happen this afternoon uh, mm. with the Sixers and the Thunder, but that game has rained off. Mm. Anyway, uh, but but they just wanted to make the point that um, – that, uh, you know, players are being empowered to do what they feel is right mm. and that teams are empowered to do what, what they feel is right. CA aren't going to be issuing a directive on who is and isn't allowed to kneel. So I do think that's a start. You, you're right. There's a mixture of rituals going on. There's a barefoot circle. There's a knee. There's mm. a global context. There's a national context. But mm. this is a step forward. And I was really happy to see or oh, to hear CA say that they're going to, um, you know, permit players or encourage players to make their own calls on this. And mm. now that the conversation started, it's incumbent upon everybody to do what Jason Gillespie says, I think, you know, the great Jason Gillespie who said overnight in the Cricket Connecting Country series that CA is doing that, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth and uh, um, use them in equal proportion. It's a great opportunity for people like us and listeners to do exactly that, to listen to stories. That's right, mate. I think that's the best way to put it as well because, I mean, because this is now – um, being put into the mainstream and the WBBL will hopefully lead into um, the the men's summer is obviously more yeah. eyeballs and that sort of thing. And then that that will 
definitely lead to like guys that people who are listening to the show, watching the show, who who are playing club cricket, they're going to have these conversations and hard conversations with mm. people who are going to see that and be like, fucks this shit. Yeah. People who are listening to this are going to have to have conversations or maybe very uncomfortable conversations mm. about those people about, well, why do you think that's bullshit? You have to listen to the, the stories mm. and then start, mm. the, start the conversation. Well, and you know what? They don't have to uh, as well. And many, sure. people may, many people may not. And I think that those who are telling the stories or, or whatnot need to, um, you know, try and do so in a positive manner. And that way we'll get hopefully more unification and support for our uh, Indigenous friends uh, because there are some stories that I think are really worth mm. listening to and, uh, you know, I look forward to more and more of that actually happening, and we're, we're gonna we'll we'll do that on this show as well. Pez, uh, just quickly, the IPL. Oh, can I just say quickly, just because yeah, with the WBBL, we t- we've been talking about a, um, a political social issue. Mm. I also watched Grace Harris on the weekend. She right. d- she scores runs every for Brisbane Heat. Scores runs every single time I seem to watch her play. Mm. Uh, has only played for the national side a couple of times. Can someone who knows more about the WBBL tell us why Grace Harris doesn't get a better game? Oh, what are you saying here? Uh, Oh, no, I don't know. Just, oh, no, not I'm just saying, Photos? Just what are we looking at? She, I'm just saying she should be selected okay. uh, in the Aussie side. Good side, the Australian side. Yeah, it's a good side. But she does seem to have – she has something about it, the way she plays. She always just seems to be dominating in the middle of matches. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just wanted to say shout-out to Grace Harris, who seems to be a very good cricketer. Now, is it as good a side as, say, the men's England ODI team, which Tom Banton said hardest sports team in the world to get into? That's a very good question. That's a, Yeah. We'll have to – can only ask Tom that. <laughs> IPL Pez Yeah Joff Rach is doing great things mm. He's doing amazing things yeah. Which I find interesting In the context of Say a Pat Cummins Who famously went for 3.1 million Australian dollars mm. Keep saying that don't we? Hasn't done it that well Hasn't done that well And I thought well It's unusual to pick a fast bowler Sure he bats a little bit Pat Although does he actually Bat that much I mean he's got, more, he's got more potential With the bat Than he has actually You know succeeded With the bat I think But like For a fast bowler To go for that kind of money Then they're going to play The series in the subcontinent it seems like, hmm, that's surprising. But then Joffre's like, oh, no, Joffre's fucking probably the best bowler. So I love Joffre. Uh, uh, so he's, he's got the wood over Warner as well, which is yeah. which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, seven innings, 45 balls to Warner, conceded 32 runs, six dismissals. And every time he gets him out, he gets an Xbox. What, every time? No. I think, he, I, <laughs> no. I, think I think he went back to them again. So can, I, can I get another one? <laughs> <laughs> he's a king. Fair play. Does what he wants. Yep. Ben Stokes came back, got 100. He's yeah. good as well. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. I saw an article from Johnny Lou. Never met Johnny Lou, so Jonathan Lou. Yeah, um, JL. I think he's a good, good writer. He, he asked this morning, why aren't Pakistanis in the IPL? And again, if you do follow the code, let no, us know. No, it's because um, – I was talking about this a while ago. He didn't ask why. I mean, he, he knows why they're not in the IPL, oh. but it was more oh, of he's an article it. to pressure yeah, sure, okay. uh, the question or test the question of, like, if IPL is this great meritocracy, yeah. the best against the best, yeah. well, let's have a couple of the great Pakistanis in the side as well. Yeah. So to catch up – now, I haven't done my research on this, but like mm. from memory, when we're talking let's about the beginning of the IPL. Globally no, about it, was, this stuff. it was after the Mumbai bombings and it was found to be that um, Pakistanis committed that – or links to Pakistan, people had, had committed those atrocities. Now, in the first edition of the IPL, there was like Shahid Afridi, Shah Bakhtar, all these like players from Pakistan. When that happened, they were like, nah, you're out. Now, Baba Razam's obviously the number one T20i. Did they still call it T20i? Uh, no, whatever. The, the international T20s. Short <laughs> form. Know, mate. The short form stuff. Yeah, he's the number one player in the world because he can't get a gig because he's Pakistani. So, mm. what's that about? And they're playing it in the UAE and that's kind of home to Pakistan. Right. Really, yeah. <clears throat> It'd be good to see him there. Yeah, just finally before we talk to uh, the Night of the Realms, so Kirtley Ambrose, um, Australia and India, the schedule has changed a little bit there. So originally they were going to go to Brisbane to quarantine, mm. but then there was going to be a whole issue with like they can't 
they can't leave for 14 days. They Palaszczuk that said time. no. Uh, this whole thing's gone. Now, New South Wales has swooped in. Swooped in. And they've accepted India with open arms. And they're going to play there now. So then the, the, there was either T20s or ODIs were going to be played in Brisbane. They're now going to be played in Canberra and Sydney. Uh, none of this really matters, is it? Well, I think it matters in so far as uh, we got it. Yeah, does it? Does it? Does it not? You know, New South Wales comes to save the day in Australian cricket. I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> okay. The show. Well, doesn't it? I don't you know, know, apparently early Eddings. This is apparently just you know yeah, offered go. offered these uh, games to pretty much every other state. New South Wales came and said, "Listen, we'll do it." Right. And you know, with great reluctance, mm. Cricket Australia, you mm. know, led by Victorian, was like, "All right, New South Wales." Is New South Wales clawing back a little bit? Shield winners, Moses safe, Daddy Tons now saving the season. Is New South Wales just coming back maybe as the uh, as the heartbeat of the national game? If Cameron Green wants a cap, he's got to get the he's got to get the blue bag. Get first. the blue bagger. Just a question. Fuck, you went Good. real side mouth there. I'm I'm, uh, I'm, sit, I'm sitting side <laughs> onto you now as well. <laughs> you know, it's home for the WBBL at the moment as well. True. New South Wales. True. How does it make you feel? You're in a, you're a New South Wales expat. Do you feel safe? I don't know what I feel anymore, man. Yeah, good point. I've got I don't no feelings. I don't know. What I I feel. Hey, Pez, so Kirtley Ambrose is on the show. You excited? Um, yeah, oh, mate. I am. It's a, what, what what's a your What's your number one Kirtley Ambrose memory? You can only have one. Um, For me, while you think yeah, about yeah, that, go, 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 yeah. is Kurt, it's a Dean Jones era, but it's the fucking lightning kit. It's oh, the best yeah, ODI yeah. kit. Anyone who says anything else is wrong, they're incorrect. Kirtley Ambrose, white wristband. Yeah. Fucking I suppose it's balls. not a moment. You know what it is? It's it's his stride in. It's the length of the legs, and then the, the, legs. the um the load up with both arms in the air crossed, and the furrowedness of yeah. his brow Fucking and the white the whites of his eyes. Yeah, the, nothing more menacing mm. in cricket. Mm. There you go. That's that's my Kurtley. Do you think like at my the, at the top of the <laughs> so Kurtley. At the top of the mark, when you're facing Ambrose, he'd be like, oh, this looks pretty good. Then by the time he gets the crease, you're like, oh, my God. I'd be here. turning around and kicking the stumps over. Get Mate, the fuck out of here. He's a perfect quick. He's a perfect he's quick. He's a perfect six, six, eight, six, steepling eight. bounce. Steepling. Everything can hit off bail, but you can't get forward to it. You're pinned at the crease. He doesn't allow you onto the front dog. He, mm. he's, he's very anti-front dog anti -front for any dog. bat. Uh, it doesn't sledge, mm. and it's just it's just frightful. Averages 20.9 test group. Get out of here. He's Get a king. Here. Fuck He's out of here. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. So, Kirtley Ambrose coming up. Well, here goes. What a pleasure this is. Uh, and Thank to you. be looking down the barrel of the camera at yeah. this great man as well. If you are joining us via your ears, this is on YouTube as well. And uh, we can eyeball this great man uh, that I'm about to introduce. Um, just for his benefit, we always start with the numbers. Uh, of this person because cricketers are always just reduced to their numbers. It's not about their personality. It's just about what they achieved. You, you know, it's very robotic like that. So here are some numbers. Yeah. Just brace yourself. Give me some numbers. 941 first-class wickets at 20.44, 55 wicket hauls. All right. 405 test wickets in 98 tests at 20.99, a best of 8 for 45 and 22 fifers. He was a 1992 Wisden Cricketer of the Year, and Wisden wrote that year that he had outright pace and he generates a disconcerting steepling bounce from fuller length deliveries. His height and a slender sinewy wrist contribute greatly to the final velocity of the ball, the wrist snapping forward at the instant of release to impart extra thrust. Indeed, when watching as children, no man made us feel less safe. Yes, indeed. Uh, a year later in 1991, or a year earlier, sorry, in 91, he told journalists, Curtly talked to no man. 
Well, he's abandoned that policy post-career because 29 years later, he's agreed to talk to two Sydney middle graders. <laughs> it's a deep honour to welcome to the great cricketer the most lethal pace bowler of his generation, possibly of all time. Joining us from Antigua, Sir Kirtley Ambrose. Sir Kirtley, g'day. Good day to you and good day to all of Australia. <laughs> Um, so, Kirtley, your career is littered with the greatest achievements possible. Number one bowler in every, in, you know, in everyone's all-time great sides. Victory against all comers, home and away. Fear and respect from all opponents in equal measure. You've done it at every ground, at every level. The only thing missing is a stint in Australian grade cricket. Um, the late Malcolm Marshall played here. The idea of it didn't interest you. Well, I, I guess I came into cricket a little bit late. Mm. So um, that's probably one of the reasons why I never played in Australia in terms of great cricket. <laughs> you know, I started playing cricket seriously at age when I was about 20 years of age, <laughs> which to most people were very late. Yeah, yes. I mean, I have to say that cricket wasn't my first love. <laughs> and, you know, I've said this many times, and whenever I do say that cricket wasn't my first love, people tend to look at me in a strange way because I had so much success. But for me, growing up, I wanted to be an NBA basketball star. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, and then if I couldn't do that, football or soccer yeah. was my second option. Hmm. It was never really in my thoughts. Hmm. And I think I turned out quite well as a cricketer. So, I mean, basically, cricket was your third choice and you're currently sitting in a room in your house of just littered in trophies mm. of just all the accolades mm. of your can you can you describe curtly yeah. what's behind set you? the scene set the scene yeah um it's a room that i decided because i built my house when i was playing cricket right and i figured you know i need a room to put some trophies if i'm lucky enough to, to get a few so I built this room <laughs> specifically to, 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 for trophies. Yeah. And as you can see in the background, there's some cabinets and different stuff where I put all my trophies and memorabilia and everything, just cricket, yeah. basically. So this is basically the cricket room, which I don't come into much of, too often, really. Mm. Mm. Um, so starting cricket at the age of 20, you're playing for the village, was it Sweets in Antigua? Is that how, that's, is that, is that that's how it started? That's, that's, mm. that's Sweets, that's correct. Yes. Sweets, right. Um, one of the great sides in Antigua, obviously, mm. but like, but I mean, what was the first, like, what was, you come down to training, yeah. roll down the arm, like, who's this bloke? Yeah. Six foot eight, Kirtley Ambrose. How, gonna how be frightened to, were people? How frightened were people is what I'm asking. Well, it all started with tennis ball cricket. Mm -hmm. You know, as a youngster, we all dabbling tennis ball cricket, have some fun in open field, whatever, just for fun. And from a very early age, like eight, nine, ten years old, I could bowl and bowl properly, mm. where most guys couldn't bowl. They had to chop and all that stuff. You know, so I guess I had this natural bowling ability from a very early age. However, my mother, she was the one who forced me into playing cricket <laughs> because she's a cricket fanatic. Yeah. I remember growing up in Sweets, she got this small transistor radio where she listened to commentary from all over the world as from funny hours in the morning, listening to West Indies play, which used to annoy me because I couldn't really see the It is an annoying game. Yeah. Yeah, so as I got older, I have an older brother who used to play for Sweets before he migrated to, to New Jersey in the States to join my father. So I was next in line. And my mother kept telling me, you've got to play cricket, you've got to play cricket. And, you know, when I was 20 years old, I said, you know what? Let me give it a try. And I was quietly hoping it didn't work. 
so she could stop pestering me. <laughs> you know, and funny enough, in 1984, you know, when I was 20, I started playing for Sweets and had some success. And one year later, in 1985, I was selected for the Antigua national team. <laughs> and one year later, in 1986, I was selected for the Leeward Islands team. I wasn't originally in the, the squad, but a couple of fast bowlers got injured and they drafted me in for the final game in 86. Mm. And then two years later, in 1988, I suddenly found myself an international cricketer. So within four short years of not wanting to play cricket at all, <laughs> I suddenly became this international cricketer. And as they say, there was this history. Can I just ask her, uh, Sir Kirtley, like make sure I say Sir Kirtley, uh, that like, I just look at the way you play the game. You're a six foot eight bowler, steepling bounce, probably bowled around 140 Ks an hour faster on average. And you, you, you have an okay relationship with the game. You could take it or leave it. Basically, in fact, you said that to Steve War. We'll come to that later. But uh, do you ever look at sort of medium paces in the UK who are sort of five foot eight and just think, why are you even playing? <laughs> you know, I mean, you see, because you see, my pride. You know, apart from my skills as a bowler, you know, my pride played a huge role because I'm a very, very proud man, mm. and anything I do, I always try to be the best at it. So my pride was my driving force. I never wanted to be a weak link in any team. Because I remember when I joined the Western East, the Western East team first in 1988, you know, we had the late great Malcolm Marshall, who was probably the best bowler in the world at the time. You have Courtney Walsh, my great friend. You know, so I always figured I was forced to learn very quickly. Because in the back of my mind, I didn't want opposition teams to be saying, you know what? Let's see off Michael Marshall, see off Courtney Walsh, mm. and beat up on Kirtley Ambrose, the rookie. I never wanted that. <laughs> so I was forced to learn quickly so I could be at least up close behind Marshall and Walsh. You know, so my pride, I believe, apart from my skills, my pride played a huge role. Were you were you immediately you must have been immediately good because like in, in 1986 you had the you had the dream of any club cricketer to go and play you know club cricket in the UK first first you know overseas uh venture for, for playing cricket and you're playing in the Liverpool competition for is it Chester Borton CC is that is that is that the name of the club yes and yes you, that's correct Chester Borton Hall yes and you I took you took 84 in, wickets in, at nine <laughs> 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 did you pitch many up I went over there I went over there on a Sir Richards cricket scholarship. Right. Yes, uh, yes. And it, in 1986, the year before that, in 85, my good friend and former schoolmate and teammate, Winston Benjamin, he went over the year before me and he got a, he got over 100 wickets. Okay, right. You know, yeah. So when I went in 86, I got 84. <laughs> and up to this very day, he never forget. That, you know, <laughs> always keep reminding me that I, I fell short. <laughs> you know? And then... I did pretty well, and then the following year, in 1987, I went into to play for a team called, um, oh, a team, the name escaped me. But he came back to me in, 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 a, in, in a Lancashire, the Central Lancashire League, Haywood. Mm. That's the name of the club. Mm. I went to play for a team called Haywood. Haywood. And I took 115 wickets. <laughs> and to me, to me, that was enough to win the championship, right? It was enough. <laughs> yeah, it was enough. When yeah. well, wrong, we came mid table. <laughs> <laughs> <Can you> imagine. <laughs> so he figured 150 
15 weeks, that's just enough to win it. We came mid-table, we even close. Yeah. You know, and then after that, I got a contract to play for Northamptonshire in 88. Mm. But, then, but then I was selected for West Indies team the same year mm. against Pakistan for the home series. And then we toured England that very same year in 88. So my county, my county cricket started in 1989. Mm. So my career basically took off, I mean, just overnight yes mm. yes mm. I, I think about you've often spoken about being able to work out whether batsmen are afraid of you through their eyes when you're talking and i think about these poor club cricketers yeah. in the mid to late 80s who had to face you but amazingly like you've all, you've also often made the comment that the windies rarely if ever sledged uh and, and the belief was that if you could, if you can't do it with five and a half ounces at ninety miles an hour, then you're probably not very good, uh, and you shouldn't need to talk. Um, on the other hand, speaking about the Australian way, former Australian captain Michael Clark said, "If we're nice, we're not going to win shit." <laughs> so, do you ever wonder whether you might have taken more wickets if you sledged a little bit more? That certainly wasn't a part of my game. It certainly wasn't a part of West Indians in general. You know, we just figured, like I mentioned, you know. Five and a half ounces at night, imagine hour is enough to really <laughs> mm, do the talking yeah. for us. We didn't need, and I said that if guys have to use sledging, you know, to 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 to, to get the right results, to me they're not any good. You should let the bat and the ball do the talking for you. I'm I'm not saying they can't say one or two things because in the heat of the battle, things can be said. But I mean, there's a cutoff point. You don't want to use sledging. To get results, the right results. That, that, that's what I meant. Mm. You know, let the five and a half ounces or the bat, the willow, do the talking for you. So that was never my thing, really. So I, I give you a steer. You know, I look at you. See, you no. know, with a serious mm. face, because mm. once I'm competing, it's not. It's, there's no fun. You understand? Mm. It's business. I want to win just like you. Mm. So there's no fun out there. Competition. I want to be a winner. Mm. I enjoy winning. So, but I never really. Sledging to me was not part of my game. Mm. Do, you, do you still have that stare? Do you still use it or is it just for games only? doing it now. Yeah. No, only when I'm competing. Okay, yeah. right. You know, right. I, yeah. I don't play cricket much anymore. No. Once or twice a year for charity worthy causes. But um, I still play basketball yeah. here yeah. in the local leagues in Antigua. Mm. And I'm still as competitive and as aggressive as... Because once I'm competing, yeah. that yeah. natural aggression yeah. tends to come... Out on me. Yeah, okay. you, you've said in the past, so currently that uh, you know you've got a great affinity for Australia as a place and Australians as well. And you've said that like Brisbane is your favourite city, which goes right against uh, you know Kevin Peterson's comments, who who <laughs> hates uh, you know Brisbane for some reason. But what is it about Brisbane specifically? I mean, is it is it the Brown Snake? You know, Brisbane River? You know, Kangaroo uh, Kangaroo Point? R M Williams? What are we looking at? Thunderstorms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, when it, when I came to Australia first, way back in 1988, you know, my first tour. I don't know. I just fell in love with Brisbane. I can't mm. remember exactly what it was. I don't know if it's a Sunshine Coast or what, mm. you know, because it's kind of Caribbean, like yeah. the, the beaches. And I don't know, but I just fell in love with, with, with Brisbane and just has always been my favorite state. Doesn't necessarily mean I don't like the other states. I do, mm. because I think Sydney is a wonderful place. You know, I've been to the... Sydney Harbour Bridge and, you know, the opera. And, you know, so it's a wonderful place, but for some reason, I have this strong affinity to, to Brisbane and that has always been my favourite state. Mm -hmm. So, Curtly, like, from our perspective, like we were 
we were pre-teens when we were watching you take on pre-teens. the Aussies. Uh, and as don't kids, make feel, don't make me feel so old. <laughs> as, as kids, we were like, as kids in Australia, a lot of listeners will agree with this. Like, we were fed a lot of propaganda about how Steve Waugh and the Aussies were the heroes mm. coming up against the villainous, mm. godlike might of the West Indies. And then you get a bit older and you realize, mm. Curtly, uh, Sir Curtly Ambrose uh, is a peaceful man who plays bass. Uh, in, and a bit of basketball, and uh, Courtney Walsh is a very is a beautiful, is a gorgeous, gentle soul. Mm. And there's a few stories about Steve Waugh where you sort of go, "Well, what's going on?" Mm. Um, and so, I guess my question to you is like, were we wrong? You know, were, were we the bad guys uh, growing up, and were you guys the good guys? No, 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 it's nothing like that. <laughs> I, I, never, I never had no problems playing against Australia. You know, we as West Indians, there's a mutual respect. In Australia versus West Indies, because before we really became the best team in the world, I mean, Australia thrashed us in 1975-76, they murdered us, right? And I mean, those teams, you talk about the, the, the Chapel Brothers, mm. Dennis Lilly, Jeff Thompson, Pasco, Rodney Hogg, all these guys, okay. they had a fantastic team, you know? And then I remember Clive Lloyd saying then, after thrashing we got in 75-76, he, Clive Lloyd said that he realized Fast bowling is the way to go. Mm. Because mm. we, I mean, we, we got slaughtered. Let's be honest here. Mm. I mean, to take on DK Lee and Jeff Thompson, these guys, mm. wasn't easy. And then we developed our four-prime attack, Andy Roberts, Michael Holden, Colin Croft, Joel Gann, and Malcolm Marshall, Kurt Leambos, Courtney Walsh, Patrick Patterson. The list just keeps going on and yeah. on. Yeah. And then we became a dominant force, you know, over the years. But in terms of Australia, West Indies, there was never any bad blood. Certainly not, not when I played. On the field, we are ultra-competitive. So were the Aussies. But off the field, we always get along very well. Those guys will have a beer or two or five or six you know, <laughs> after a game. <laughs> I certainly don't drink and I don't smoke. So I wasn't a part of that crew. Mm. But off the field, we always have very good relationships. That's um that like glory years of the 90s where sort of Sam and I grew up watching you so curtly as well. But, you know, you talk about the celebrations there. I mean, one of the great images that I have in my mind is like those like post, post-series celebrations where back in the day in Australia, anyway, you used to be given a car if you were the man of the series. And there's a great yes. photo of you in 1993, I think it is, uh, for win, winning player yes. of the series, and you've won a 1993 Nissan Patrol, and there's you yes. driving the car, and there's like 15 blokes just hanging out in the back of this thing, just riding around the <laughs> whacker. More like 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I remember that clearly. Um, that to me, I would rate as my best series mm. throughout my career because when I joined the team in '88, we were still number one team in the world. Everyone expect us to win. Mm. no matter where we go. But then in 1993, in Australia, we lost Viv Richards. Mm. We lost Gordon Greenwich. There was no Malcolm Marshall. Mm. There was no Jeffrey Dujon. And to lose four of those great players all at once. You know, Richie Richardson was the captain going to Australia. New captain, one test match to his name. Mm. Brian Lara, two test matches to his name. So we had a fairly young team. Mm. And no one gave us a chance to beat a strong very powerful Australian team led by the great Alan Border. You know, so we end up winning that series 2-1. And, you know, so that to me was so satisfying. And at the end of the, the, the game in Perth, when we won the series 2-1, everyone was saying that we had to take a lap 
in the vehicle, <laughs> in the Jeep. Then they said, patrol. I said, no, man, we don't need that. And the guy said, no. And they said, well, they say I had to drive because I, I took I took more than 30 wickets yeah. in the series. Yeah. You know, so they say, man, you were a star in terms of bowling department, so you had to be at the wheel, you know? <laughs> and then, so we had a, a lapper on the track and it was, it was very, it was fun, yeah. you know? And it, I, I mean, it was really something that I will never forget. Yeah. Uh, fast forwarding to the, the Caribbean in 95. So currently, I mean, you've no doubt fielded enough questions about the incident with Steve Waugh to last a lifetime. I, I promise this has got a different angle to it. Like you, you've always remained pretty tight lipped about what Waugh said to you that day in Trinidad. It's sort of vague. It's like, oh, he might have sworn. I'm not sure. Um, is is that is that to honour? Yeah, and you said you didn't hear him. Like, is that because you're trying to honour a player's code, um, or is it because you legitimately couldn't hear him because he so often talks out the side of his mouth? <laughs> um, that series in '95, they dubbed it the decider. We were number one, Australia were number two, very close behind us, yeah. and they decided that whoever win that series. Well, if Australia win that series, they'll go to number one. If we win it, we'll remain number one. And we were one nil behind in the series. So there was a lot of tension and pressure and frustration and everything because we didn't want to relinquish our number one status. And that particular game was played in Port of Spain, Trinidad. And it was it was a pitch with a lot of grass on it. Mm. It, it was a difficult pitch button. It was conducive for fast bowling. And I was really on top of the Australians. Steve Waugh, Mark, he got 60 yards in at first and he's played very well. On a normal day, that could have been 150, you know, but he played well, but he was struggling, playing and missing a lot. And he was, he got frustrated. And, you know, one of my teammates told me, you know, that, you know, as he was walking back, you know, because, you know, I give it a steer and then I go back to my mark. And one of my teammates told me, that, you know, Steve Waugh said to F off, right? Telling me to F off, get back to my mark or something along that line. Mm. But honestly, I didn't hear him, you know? So I went back to my mark, bowl a few, and then we break for lunch or tea. We had a break. And after the break, I came back out, bowl at him again. He, keep, he kept missing, kept missing, you know? So as I followed through, something snapped in me. And I said, I, I, I asked him a question. Did you swear with me? And he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He just said, I can say whatever I want to say. And that to me was a yes. Yeah. And that's when all hell broke loose. And I said to him, you know, that I don't have to play cricket. I have no career left. I will knock you out right here and now. <laughs> and if they ban me, I don't really care. Well, 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 of course, I didn't say that gently. There were a few expletives in between. <laughs> you know, I was really heated. Yeah. And to be quite honest, that started right there and ended right there. Steve Vaughan and I never spoke about it. I met him a couple of times after, and we never spoke about it. Only guys like you and the media and mm. all the cricketing people will ask about it. Mm. We never spoke about it ever. We never lost our mutual respect. As a matter of fact, when I did my book, you know, the guy who wrote the book for me, Richard, was saying, we can get the legendary Richie Benno to do the forward. Because, I mean, I have a lot of achievement of respect for Richie Benno. I think he was one of the greatest commentators ever. Mm. And I said to him, you know, it would be a nice touch to ask Steve Waugh to do it because of our rivalry. Mm. And Richard was asking me, you think he'll do it? I said, we won't know until we ask. So Richard reached out to him and he readily agreed to, to, to write the forward as well. 
no questions asked. And everything that he wrote, I put it in the book. Never change a word. Mm. You know, so we still have that mutual respect. But honestly, on that, that particular moment, I really wanted to knock him out. Mm. Well, to come full circle, we, we started talking about, you know, having you know having fear in the eyes of young club batsmen as Sir Curly Ambrose is running in. But three years later, I think it was in Trinidad again, um, in the, the test match against England, uh, with the 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 only test match in history of test cricket where a match has been abandoned due to the state of the pitch. I think it's actually Brian Lara's first game as captain as well, 1998. Yeah, that, that was Sabana Park, Jamaica. Jamaica, sorry. And, yes, in, at, in 1998, yes. That's right, yeah. And so Michael yeah. Atherton's captain. He looks at the pitch, he thinks, oh, this is a bit dodgy. I'm going to have a bat first though against Walsh mm. and Ambrose mm. and all hell breaks loose. You can see the, you can see the footage on YouTube now. And it's just poor Mike Atherton, Mark Butcher, um, Thorpe, Stewart just getting peppered uh, with balls to the body, inconsistent bounce. I mean, when he, when Atherton won the toss and says, "Yeah, we're going to have a bat first, were you like, "What? What are you doing, mate?" Just play straight. You play straight. Get the yes, front foot. Yes, because yes, because I was a little bit surprised because mm. it was a newly laid surface. No one knew who was going to play. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if I was the captain and I won the toss, obviously I'm going to bowl first. Mm. Let, let the let the batting team yeah, fight it how they can. So when he said he was going to bat after 10, I was a bit surprised. Mm. Um, yes, surprised. the pitch was a bit up and down. It was a bit up and down. Then, <laughs> <laughs> but see, the thing is, right, they kept saying how much the ball is bouncing. Mm. I mean, come on, Courtney Washington Kirtland was a six foot eight. <laughs> even, 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 even on flat pitches, we tend to get extra bounce. Yeah. So, I didn't like the idea they're talking about the bones because that we were getting because mm. we get bones all the time. Mm. But what I said then and I said no, yes, the pitch is a bit up and down. What they should have done is maybe get the groundsmen to get the heavy roller, roll it a bit, you know, and maybe resume play an hour later mm. as opposed to abandon the game. Mm. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of spectators coming to the, the UK and all that stuff. So I think they made a, a gross mistake to abandon the game. So soon, mm. get the ground staff to roll the pitch a bit more. Mm. Then after maybe an hour, try it again and see what happens. Mm. And if you continue to misbehave, then you can abandon. I thought they acted in haste, mm. and that to me was disappointing. Oh, so you had England thirteen for three, and you're probably looking at the five for that game. So it's mm. a bit disappointing yourself, I'd imagine. Well, of course, because well, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I tell you something else. England came to the Caribbean thinking this is a great opportunity to beat the West Indies. Right. Because mm. we were on a bit of a decline. Let's be honest. A bit of a decline. So they figure, perfect opportunity. And they won the toss, decided to bat first, suddenly found themselves three down for nothing. Mm. And we're like, hey, no, this ain't working out, you know? This ain't <laughs> going to come to plan. Let's... Honestly, I think the guys put on a bit of an act as well. They made it look worse than it really was. Right. Like it. Just give it a roll. Uh, <laughs> a year a year earlier, Curtly, 97, you're at the Wacker, where you averaged 12 with the ball, I think, Not over bad. your career. Not bad. And it's your last, <laughs> it's what turns out to be your last test in Australia, and you're about to wrap up victory. This is on Robolinda's channel as well. Mm. Um, and it's your last two overs. It turns out it's your last two overs in Australia. Um, now, you're a, you're a peaceful man, Sir Curtly, but I just want to ask, like, how, how good did it feel to wrap up your cricketing time in Australia bowling approximately 15 mainly around the wicket no balls at Shane Warne's body? <laughs> you know, you know, well... It, it, it looks it so cool. Yeah. It tells you I'm human, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, 
I heard people make some comments about I did it deliberately to intimidate Shane Warren. That is utter nonsense. Was it just a run-up thing? Currently, Ambos, currently, Ambos don't have to bowl no balls to intimidate anybody. <laughs> right? So that is utter nonsense. I honestly, up to this very day, I don't know exactly what happened. I tried everything. My whole experience came out. I cut my run, done my run to a shorter run. You know, I even run, run in a bit slower. I tried everything possible and kept going over and over and over. It became so frustrating. I said to my, my captain, Courtney Walsh, you know, as a skipper, this isn't working. I'm trying everything I can. The only thing left for me to do is to make both of them off spin, you know, <laughs> to, to, finish, to finish the over. So I would overstep. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened. It was one of those freakish moments that I could not solve. Mm. And I said to everyone, you know, well, I'm human after all, you know. I mean, it was frustrating for me, to be honest, you know, and... um. Not a nice way to end my career, but you know, life goes on. I don't know. I think it was a really good, good, a really good way to end pretty your career. Good. I think yeah. a lot of Aussies would, would, <laughs> would find that very funny. Mm. Also, if you just finish up with buying some off spin as well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah I, honestly, I wanted to do it. We're just both <laughs> off two steps just to get over, finish, and done with. You know, <laughs> but my captain said, No, Courtney Walsh, you know, my good friend and captain say it's not going to look good, you know, and that's the way it was. Mm. I thought it looked great. Just a, just a final one, so Kurtley, you've been so grateful, uh, great to give us that time. I've noticed comments of yours before saying, you know, if you want to drive, go and buy a car. I mean, you're not a sledger, <laughs> but you obviously understand the psychology of being an alpha, you know, in sport. You know, why is it so important symbolically to deny batsmen the opportunity to even get on their front foot? Mm. When I, well, when I started playing first club cricket, you know, as a rookie, and even when I got into the test team, I had two main deliveries, a bouncer and a Yorker. Yeah. And, and they worked to perfection in yes. regional competitions. I bet they did. A couple of shots, a couple of bouncers, perfection. push the back foot, yeah. and when they're in the crease looking for another bouncer, I stick the Yorker in. That's why I was so good at bowling Yorker, that will, because those are my weapons, bouncer and Yorker. Because yeah. most, once you get two good bouncers, You'll be very reluctant to come in the front foot. You'll yes, be in your crease. Yes, yes, you'll, yes, you'll be yes. right. So it was perfection. Got to test level and realized that it's a different level altogether. Much, much higher standard. And yeah. Bassman figured me out. Bouncer, the Yorker. Bouncer, Yorker. So that didn't, it didn't work for too long in international cricket. So I had to find a way to, to, to get wickets differently than getting people bowled by the Yorker. And of course, a few times and a few occasions, when because a Yorker is a high risk delivery, you have no margin for error. It could be a low full toss or half volley if you don't get it right. And I've been driven a few times, and I said, you know what? Uh uh-uh. uh. I ain't giving, giving away no more runs. Let me. So that's why I, I come up with that just short of a length delivery where you can't get to the front foot. Mm. And by the time you go back, you're, it's an in between length. So you're not sure. If you can come forward or go back, by the time you make up your mind, you know, you're, you're caught behind or in a slip cordon. Mm. You know, so I developed that short of a length and that has been my trademark. I don't want to see no Bassman on the front for driving. Not against Kirtley Ambrose, no way. <laughs> I don't mind standing up and punching me down the ground of the back foot, not on the front foot. I, I don't like to see that. Like I said, you want, you want to drive, go and buy a car <laughs> and do all the driving you want. Not off my bowling. 
And what and what happened to the 1993 Nissan Patrol? Do you still have it? No, I don't. Um, I had it for about two years. Yeah. And then Flogged it. I was in England in 1995, touring England. And my younger brother, you know, bought it to do to go to a wedding, you know, and um, got in an accident. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. So I, after that, you know, I traded it and got something difficult. It was a head-on clash. Oh. And, you know, family experience with vehicles, head-on clash sometimes could cause problems with your front then and all that stuff. So yeah. the insurance just kept it, paid me off, and I got something different. And, you know, so had it for about two years. Mm. Mm. Guys have a lot of convertible. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, I went and bought um, a Toyota Land Cruiser then out of yeah. the States. Nice. And then had that for a few years, and I traded it. After about maybe six or seven years, yeah. went back to the States and bought a, 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 a Cadillac, a oh, Cadillac Jeep. Fuck yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I, 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 like, I like big vehicles, obviously. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah I'm shocked by that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 I like, and I like American vehicles as well, yeah. uh-huh. you know. And it's, it's so close to Antigua, only like a three or four hour plane flight, you know. Mm. And I kept that for a while. And then now, the last two years, I'm driving something different. I'm driving... Um, uh, Smart a car. Ford Raptor. Ford, Ford Raptor. Raptor. Yeah, nice. Truck. nice. Yeah, you know, truck. I, I like big vehicles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what I'm driving off the last two years. Nice. Uh, very nice. Well, so, Kirtley, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful to chat with you and to see you, especially with all of your trophies behind you it's as amazing. well. It's like the time we talked to Justin Langer and he made sure he did it in front of his World Eleven test jersey, just yeah. to remind us oh, about the success. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we cricketers – tend to, to show off a little bit, you know, yeah. in, 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 in retirement. Yeah, but thank, thanks, guys, for having me. It was really, really a pleasure. And let me say that, you know, Australia has always been my favorite place to tour. I love Australia. I love Australians. And as a matter of fact, I was there just last year with Dancing with the Stars, you know, yeah. showing mm. a different side of Kirtley Ambrose, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I'm not always aggressive and mean. I'm soft the <laughs> side as well. No, we, but thanks for having me, guys. We, we love it, and we know you, you're just giving back to the game. You didn't need to have this chat. You don't, don't even know what grade cricket is, but <laughs> you, you're contributing to the cricketing <laughs> conversation. So we really appreciate Thank you it. So much. My pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. He goes, it's time to raise the bat, to deliver a nod, to tip the cap. Tip the cap. To our, cap tip. To, to our wonderful friends at Budgie Smuggler. That's right. We just plough away, mm. succeeding getting their images out everywhere, showing people that, you know, Australian-made brands can be funny, can succeed, and deliver what we need, which is budgie smugglers and other assorted apparel heading into the Australian summer. They've got custom wear. You put your own design on it, particularly focusing on bucket hats at the moment. Now he goes, what do we want to talk about this week? If you're trying to give the listener or viewer some suggestions as to what to put on that goddamn bucket hat. Well, when you talk about how successful they've been in Australia, it's also – important to recognize that they can do international designs as well and, and that's, that's people, very important people think that you can only do australian no that's not uh, right that's not right. not right we've heard people say that you can, it can only be an australian centric design walking down chapel street the other day i was like fuck out of here what are you talking about they can, they can do it what did the person say to you you were just walking someone came up in they said there's actually no one on the street yeah yeah it's actually yeah. no one or whoever you saw in your, in your head yeah yeah um, it's only australian designs isn't it's it? only australian designs <laughs> fuck out of here pardon <laughs> you do others and I'm thinking West Indies. Yeah. I'm thinking that great West Indies side. Of course. As I always am. I'm thinking Jeffrey Dujon. Just portraits? I'm thinking actually just 
the actual names. Oh, just lettering. Junior Murray. What typeface? To come back to that. Keep talking about the names. It's not Helvetica. No. And it's not Comic Sans and S, please. Helve- Helvetica is making a comeback. It has a little bit. It's not Aerial Bold. Yeah. It could be Wingdings. Helvetica Noi. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Noia, like Manuel. Yeah, so Dujon, Gus Logie. What a oh, name. Oh, that's the Gus one I was thinking of. Logie. Gus Logie. What a name. That's good. What about who was like? How good did Kurtley look, by the way, on the? Uh, on he the fucking Zoom? Really, that, that he's on his beats by Dre's. Mate, he's looking yeah. fucking great. Yeah, he looked incredible. He's Big smile, great. all of his trophies behind him. What so a I haven't, I didn't include this in the edit, but when we got on the when we got on the Zoom, Pez was trying to figure out what was in the background. He thought he might have seen um, beer taps, and it looked weird because I knew he didn't drink. Yeah, and he turned around. He's like, I oh, know they're just my trophies. Yeah, he's just sitting in a room, and with it's trophies. a massive cabinet. Yeah, yeah so he had a, he had a, uh, a West Indies one day pad. I saw there. that, yeah. 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 That, uh, Marone. I wanted to ask him about that. Whose pad was that? He probably just yeah. blowing up front pads in the nets. It's, it's, yeah, it's Brian Lara's front pad. I blew up. You said before the celebration of Kurtley, like he's doing the fast wrists and his celebration, yeah. like the crossover when he gets yeah. to the release point. Yeah, oh, yeah. You can put that on the bucket app for sure. On yeah. He loved that fist pump celebration, didn't he? Look into the sky, just mm. rolling those wrists over. Absolute it's, king. It's such a shame when you think about like the demise of the Windies because like he came in when they were getting to peak and then when he left in the year 2000, they were – they were just past peak, and now they're they're pretty shit. And like the cr- world cricket needs, world cricket needs excellent Pakistan teams, and they need excellent West Indian teams just mm. for sucking, like just to make it a global thing. It mm. needs to be more global. Now mm. it's like, oh, we kind of go there, but we only play two tests because it's a mm. bit shit. And like, ah. but you can help support that by branding your custom bucket hat I mean. with some of the great West Indians. So we've said Dujon, Logie. Uh, Junior Murray, mm. Richie Richardson. Mm. Oh, hell. Yeah, if you go look up some celebrate Keith Arthurton. Oh, hell yeah, Jimmy Adams. <laughs> if you go and look up Sherwin Campbell. Oh, feels really good. Winston Benjamin. <laughs> Ian Bishop. Now, Ian Bishop. That's a big boy. Ian Bishop. That's a big boy. My dad took me out to see the Windies out Bish. here in 96. 90, yeah, 96 at the SCG. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, they yeah. were bowling in the nest beforehand. They were all bowling. And, Fuck me. Yeah, standing behind it. And uh, the velocity. Ian Bishop was quick. Yeah. I mean, they were all pretty quick when you're 11 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I was saying, well, I wouldn't mind that. Mm. Face bit of that. You just, Ken, did you say Kenny Benjamin? I didn't say Kenny Benjamin. Kenny no. Benjamin. Yeah. I said Winston Benjamin. You said Winston Benjamin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some good one. Patrick Patterson. BudgieSmuggler.com. Hashtag RCDC Pezzy Lad. Yep. We had a great question on Patreon this week, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer, about a guy who had a very um, unfortunate drug incident uh, mm. at a festival in WA. It's uh, not to glorify drugs, well, necessarily, but it happens. It happens. It happens. It's just a thing people that happens. Use, people use drugs. They have for a long happens. time. Yeah. And he was given a brownie by some um, mm. Norwegian? Yeah. Danish. Norwegian. 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 Let's mm. not sully our great Danes no. with this. Not to be confused with the great Danes, who are a, a dog breed um, who support the show. Mm. Silently, we have a, he took and he took four, four for one. He thought he was having one. He actually had four times the amount he needed to. Yeah, and he actually uh, said uh, that was sixteen. That was enough for sixteen yeah. people. And he yeah, said a little slice there, a little slice himself. <laughs> anyway, it's all about how cricket is so deeply embedded within your unconscious that uh, sometimes that can be the light out of a drug fueled incident. Freddie Eggleton writes in Pez. He does. All right, lads. Looking for some advice on a non-cricket related matter. My girlfriend and I have been dating about a year and now live together. Life is good, but there is one serious issue. I'm sure I'm not the first 
I'm sure I'm not the first who's had to deal with this problem, and I'm sure as heck won't be the last, but that doesn't mean I'm any closer to solving this issue. I keep being offered by my girlfriend's fucking dad. He's a typical 50-something man's man. You know the type. Engine, DIY, grilling, stuff I don't give a shit about. <laughs> Engine, DIY, grilling. <laughs> yeah, you know the type, Pez. Yeah, yeah. I'll put my hand up and say I'm not the most practical bloke going around, and apparently that makes me less of a man in, in, in a certain someone's fucking archaic viewpoint. He laughed at how I was washing the car the other day. Fucking Englishman. <laughs> in quotations. He is Canadian, and I live, and I live out here. How rude. He muttered as he walked off. How the fuck can I wash a car wrong? I'm also a vegetarian, so that's probably got something to do with it too. How can I stop him offering me every time there is a, there is practical work to be done? Shit that I would normally not give a shit about, uh, but now in the last year it's become annoyingly important for me to prove that I can do these manly tasks. But by far, the worst of this occurred when we went for a round of golf. It was a long afternoon, fellas. I'm no golfer. But what I didn't know is that he played off four. The ability difference was fine. I have no problem with that. It was his obvious fucking little comments, small digs, little laughs, driving off in the buggy to leave me to searching for my ball in the rough. Mind the rattlesnakes there, buddy. Buddy is the Canadian champ. Reading between the lines, is this all, co- is this all code for? You aren't good enough for my daughter. I have tried and failed various techniques to reverse the offering. For example, he's a bald cunt. So I, <laughs> so I have grown my hair long to a certain male dominance, but my attempts have been futile. I can't even talk about the summer of 55 batting average, 300s, 750s, 125 strike rate, because this cunt doesn't even follow cricket. Do I take his daughter back to the promised land of England, never to deal with his petty shit again, or just call off the whole relationship, green card and all, get back on Tinder and renew my cricket career? Cheers. Cheers, Freddie. Classic scenario. Oh, you say this all the time, don't you, with Canadians? Mm. <laughs> the man's man, Freddie Eggleton. Uh, look, is he trying to out? Is he trying to say to you, Freddie, that you're not good enough for my daughter? I would say no. I'd say he's trying to test you out in the only way he knows how, and he's not sure. He's not sure about you because you're not like him. Mm. You know, there's certain people out there who are like, I, I just need you to be more like me, so I understand what's I need happening. You to he doesn't understand eat some elk. Let's he, go I just hunting. Need you to under. I don't understand you Pass unless you're like syrup. me. I don't understand things that are different to let's what the, I do. Let's watch the ice hockey. Yes. Let's watch the Canucks. But if you're talking about the alpha life. And we are. Don't forget, Freddie, you're in an intimate relationship with his daughter. Let's hope so. so you are. Well, let us hope so. And I'm going to make that leap. Mm. By default, you are in the alpha position, okay? And he's clawing back. There's probably some stuff going on there around just the sheer fact that you are in a relationship with his daughter. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't get much better from an offering standpoint. So always remember that. Uh, uh, but but if you do want to play in his orbit, if you want to get into the man's man if orbit, you if you want to. Now, I'm not sure if you should because it doesn't sound like you get into that orbit very often. Let's see where it goes. You know, lay down with dogs, you get fleas, pretty. <laughs> but if you do, he's obviously got you covered for coordination. Yeah. He's got you covered for car washing, you know, handy work. I guess my question is, can you make more money than him? Yeah, that's interesting. Because that normally winds up old blokes. Yeah, that does. Boomers, and he is one. Yeah. Boomers should have more money than us. Yeah. Just due to a number of financial yeah. regulations that have been involved. I mean, <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. But if you can somehow just start to increase that earning capacity over his, and you're going to find if you just – that's just your two-pronged attack. Let him beat you at golf. Hmm. Let him have, uh, you know, let him outball you. 
You know, let him wash the car better than you. Let him do better grilling than you. Defer to him. But you'll just always know, and he'll always know quietly. One, you make more money than him. And two, you're in a relationship with his daughter. That's it. That's all you need. I don't think the bald thing's going to help. I don't think he's going to probably look at your long hair and be like, who's fucking sunshine over here? To be honest, that came out of my mouth, and as soon as it came out, I thought, mm, that was the wrong thing to say. I meant it more from a testosterone perspective. What about what about Freddie might be the son that this guy never had? It's what love. If, what if he What if he just asks his um, father-in-law to be perhaps? I'm going to jump the gun here, but just ask him for some golf tips. You know, I'm holding, you know, just ask for some nurturing advice. All of a sudden, he won't mind. Don't you think Freddie's dad? Uh, sorry, uh, Freddie's girlfriend's dad is just going to. He'll be all over that. He'll exploit that. Oh, this is how you do it, buddy. Maybe at the beginning. You want love and peace. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any peace and love with, Fred, with, with with this man. I just think he needs to. I just think Freddie needs to make bank if he wants to live in that alpha orbit. If he does, back to England then. Bit more old money in England, isn't it? Bit more old money, yeah. If he's from England, he's fine. Never been to Canada. Seems nice. Rion Banks writes in. Get a Higmy possum and pezizoid. <laughs> As a youngster playing playing cricket in Rockhampton, I was part of some outstanding club squads and half decent rep teams for most of my junior days. In fact, a few players in the same junior teams as myself have gone on to higher honours in other codes. Cameron Munster, Australian Kangaroos, Corey Oates, Queensland Maroons, and both Jonah Placid and Duncan uh, Payawa, I think it was, Queensland Reds in Toulon. Mm. I also shared the same junior club as Jess Jonathan for a couple of years. Good cricketer, Jess. Now, given I'm a lover of most sports, I see these people on a weekly basis on TV and can't help but feel a little jealous, even though I was a supreme cricketer of the bunch. I routinely catch myself saying unhealthy things like, it's good to see Corey still can't catch a ball. Cameron hates tackling as much as he hated being bowled at the legs. Consequently, he hit me for my first ever six when we were 11 years old. Mm -hmm. Jess only bowls left arm orthodox. It's not like finding a cure for cancer. (laughs) (laughs) People are often making that comparison. So my questions are, and there are a few, how do I rid myself of this tremendous envy, but not enough that I somehow continue living vicariously through their successes? I also, I'm also returning to my old grade cricket club this season. Do I tell the young players that these now professional athletes used to religiously do the covers in hope that enough of them undertake this duty that I won't be required to help ever again? Three, in case my cricket career falls short, can I still make a late run for the Brisbane Broncos? I'm currently 25 while struggling with an old ACL injury from nine months, three and a half years ago. Big fan of the Patreon content, boys. Keep up the great work. Rion Banks. Um, okay, Pez. Yes. Three thoughts. One, is this a bit like I don't care about the answers to the rest of the questions? Here are just a list of people that I know. Oh, without doubt. Okay. Two, um, who gets, who's, who hates being bold at the legs? Who hates being everyone? Well, Ca- you know, he was saying Cameron, Cameron Munster. Cameron hates yeah. tackling as much as he hated being bold at the legs. Mm. Who were attacking your legs when you were playing? <laughs> Come around the wicket. At his legs here, boys. Yeah. Not even LBW's. <laughs> yeah, Watson, maybe. Just let you know. Um, left arm orthodox. We were talking about four is like, left arm orthodox pairs as a skill. When you turn up on a Saturday, like that's just the easiest life you can ever have. It's the best way to play cricket. It's the if best. I was ever come back, we come back as a left arm orthodox number eight bat. Ashton Agar's got the easiest life of anyone. Oh, yeah. Easiest life. You can tell by talking to him. You can tell by the way he talks. He, he's got the secret. He knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He's aware. Because his brother's buying pace. So when we ask him, is, is, are you going to concentrate on anything or do you want it all? He goes, I want it all. I want it all. He knows he can have it all when you're left-arm orthodox with a, who can stick a bit. When have you ever seen a left-arm orthodox bowler bowl a bad spell? Mm. 
Xavier Doherty maybe against Kevin Peterson that time. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But apart from that, you know, mm. it's, you turn up. It's never a bad spell. You can't get it really wrong. Like, leg mm. spinners can get it really wrong. Mm. Like, Bo Casson played cricket for Australia and got the yips. Like, he just he started buying seam up. He just couldn't fucking land it. You were the same thing. I mean, you didn't play tests as far as I know. Be surprised if you did. Hiding that baggy green pez. But, <laughs> but, you know, he just doesn't come out the hand right. Yeah. Jake, you see um, Jack Wildermoth um, hit 27. No, he hit 37 off and over. Yeah, and uh, the leg spin was, was bowling. Yeah. Fuck me, I was. It was. Man. He couldn't land it. Yeah, well, it, Paul Blake couldn't land it. It happens. Painful. Yeah, I can see that you're welling up from within. <laughs> you're swelling up. But you like can bowl leg spin for twenty years and practice three times a week for twenty years, mm. and you could stand at the top of your mark and go, "I'm going to be more effective bowling seam up," and I've never done it before. Yeah, that's how hard this skill is. Yeah, exactly. It's a. It's an absolute roller coaster. They need support, leggies. Lastly, uh, can I make a late run for the Broncos? I'm 25. Well, if Kurtley caught us anything, he just started playing cricket at 20 and he was playing the test team mm. in one of the greatest test teams ever. Broncos are weak at the moment. So, you know, don't worry about your ACL. Um, Where does he play? Darius is out. Yeah, that's a good point. So I actually went on to Rion Banks' my cricket. There we go. The first entries for Rion are from the under-14s. And actually, like as a 35-year-old, it felt a bit unethical looking at them. I don't know why. I was just mm-hmm. like, why am I looking at a... F- 13-year-old stats. Like <laughs> I don't know, man. And, and, and what, Why are you? <laughs> it was. I was like, it's just a kid, just a kid playing cricket. I'm like, no. Just like, well, why am I doing this? Um, why am I doing this? Rion's main question is about how can I overcome tr- tremendous envy? Now, en- envy consists in seeing things never in themselves. Yeah, penis goes, envy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, penis envy. <laughs> envy consists in seeing things never in themselves, but only in their relations. So it's like envy is the art of counting the other's fellows, the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. And this sure. is what Rion's talking about. Sure. So tips to overcome your envy. <laughs> Focus on yourself. I just got this off Google or some shit. Focus on yourself <laughs> when it comes to comparing. <laughs> be grateful for what you got develop an abundance mentality think about what's in it for you get a life that's uh, <laughs> what it says man so I can see Rion's logic and he thinks it's healthy he's rejoining grade cricket in an attempt to find his own abundance not Cameron Munsters not Corey Oates mm. not Jess Jonathan mm. and the other Toulon guy mm. <laughs> But great cricket is the wrong place to find abundance, brother. Yeah, that's true. Okay? That's true. You, you, Runs of dysfunction. You, 309 runs at 15.45 doesn't solve that. Mm. Rion, you're looking in the wrong place if you want an abundance mentality, Unless brother. one of those innings is like 120 and the rest is a washout. It's still a good season. Good point. Last one, Pez. Okay. Current City writes in, Dear Higrat and Pezzy Lad, I'm a 24-year-old lapsed cricketer over in the UK. Lapsed. Oh. Sorry, I, I was just saying it. Oh. I walked away from the game at the end of the 2018 season when I moved to Manchester, leaving my little village in the northeast behind to pursue a graduate career. Lapsed. My new job involves a lot of travel, or did before COVID, and due to working away from home a lot, I couldn't commit to midweek nets and playing every Saturday. This meant that last summer was the first summer since I was 12 where I wasn't spending my weekends playing cricket. 
It was a great summer. I went on various trips around the country and spent time with my friends on weekends. I was able to go on a two-week-long tr- road trip around Portugal with uni mates and not be worried about missing a crucial league match to help my boys secure fifth in the NYSD. That's the North Yorkshire South Durham League Fourth Division. In March this year, the pandemic hit the UK in full effect. Prime Minister Boris Johnson ordered the national lockdown and asked uh, ask folk to work from home. Life became pretty miserable. Being stuck indoors all the time with fuck all to do is a, res- is a recipe for madness. I found myself on Zoom calls not listening to a word of what anyone was saying while shadow batting in pyjamas. When I take breaks to grab a beverage, I now walk through my bowling action on the way to the kitchen. The return of cricket over the summer has undoubtedly seeded the idea of going around again in my mind. If the world doesn't go back to normal and I'm not traveling as much for work as I do, uh, as much for work, do I ask my parents to send my old gear and buy a new stick? Do I really want to go back to averaging 20 odd, 12.37, and bowling my medium pace outswingers? Am I just lonely from isolation, inferring the want and need to get around the boys, or perhaps even the boys get around me? Do I miss human company so much that the idea of a post match circuit with blokes I don't even like seems appealing? Am I broken? Or is there something wrong with me that this all still feels like a good idea knowing that I'll be losing half my weekend again, have to go through being the new bloke at the club, and have to deal with my lockdown rig being judged in the showers? So boys, do I go around again next year? Or will the world be normal enough for me to continue to ignore playing cricket? Keep up the good work. Curran. Thanks, Curran. Look, normally when we get these questions, he goes around, should I, you know, to do with should I go around again? We tend to weigh it all up and land on no, that cricket will not give you what you think you want or what you think you'll get. Yes. It will not do that. It never has. It never will. That's not the game. You will not get that abundance, that on-field performative kind of dream Mm. that you want. But these are pandemic times, he goes, so I'm inclined to go to flip it for this question because Curran's putting this in the context of the pandemic. All bets are off with COVID. He goes, and, and I noted that Curran talked about, should I get around the boys? And I think that's what Curran wants. Yeah, I agree. He just needs to get around the boys. And to be got around. And to be got around, of course. There's normality in the mediocrity. There's familiarity in the mediocrity. It's beautiful. There's sanity in the mediocrity. Curran, get around the boys. Play again. And that goes to all of you. See you guys next week.